Hello and welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Splitter. As always, once again, joined by Ryan Laporte. Lepper, it's a bumpy ride, this NFL game, isn't it? You can say that again, mate. It certainly is. It's been a it's been an interesting few weeks, to say the least, and the, the upset results just kept coming last week. So, yeah, hard to know where teams stand at the moment. I mean, I think there's still some clear-cut teams that are, you know, going to be pushing uh, all the way through to the Super Bowl, but then there's some teams now with some real big question marks hanging over them. Mm. Well, I thought we we called week nine upset week, but week ten probably has some claim to to be upset week two. But um, as we know, there's always there's always one or two weeks like that in every NFL season, and hopefully we're uh, on the other side of of that now. And uh, we'll talk through week eleven matchups shortly. But remember, if you do like the show, please give us a rating and a review on Facebook and or on iTunes or wherever you listen. Tweet at us, comment on Facebook, engage on Instagram, whatever, as much as possible. We love to hear from you guys. And uh, just getting into that, we've got a couple of questions from listeners uh, across social media. I'll, um, I'll pose this one to you first, mate, but we've got one from Tim on Facebook who asks, which coach will be fired first before the end of the regular season? What have you got? Yeah, there's a few, there's a few on the hot seat for sure. And the one that I thought would probably go first, to be honest, um, but might have resurrected or saved his job last week with an upset win was uh, Brian Flores in Miami after that stunning win in, uh, against Baltimore. So, look, I, I feel like he might have even saved his job at least to the end of the season now with that win. They probably should roll on to another win this week as well. So he was one that I was I was immediately thinking too. I know we spoke at, at Nauseam about Mike Zimmer last week and I still think he's on the hot seat even though they did have that win last week. The other for me is, is certainly Urban Meyer and, and look, as, as gritty as the lines have been all year, you can't be going through a season winless. And, and, and you'd think Dan Campbell would be feeling the heat from, from uh board level in Detroit as well. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a few up for grabs and, and the list doesn't end there, I suppose. No, that's right. I mean, there's, there's certainly a, an argument for all three of those that, that you just mentioned. And I've, I've gone with two others. I've gone with Joe judge in New York and Matt Nagy in Chicago. I just think there hasn't been enough development out of either of those franchises. Um, over the last couple of years, obviously Matt Nagy has been in Chicago for for a while now, um, and they just don't seem to be getting much better at all. In fact, they probably regress in some cases. And Joe Judge, I mean, he's got some talented players. I know they've I know they've all missed games, but you know, there just doesn't seem doesn't seem to be that improvement year on year um, with, with the Giants at any level. Uh, and I think that must be a concern for for Giants fans and for the Giants franchise as well. So I, I think you're right. There's there's probably five or six guys that are probably in the hot seat, maybe even more, um, you know, coming into the, into the second half of the season. And we know that there's normally one or two that, that get the chop before the end of the regular season. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see which one is the first, but uh, if you had to pick one, one right now, knowing what, knowing what, you know, who, who is it for you? Um, I'd have to lean to Urban Meyer uh, mm. for me if I had to pick one. Uh, one I didn't mention that you did there was Matt Nagy and he's certainly been on the hot seat for a little while. So, I would I would throw him in the mix as well, Matt Nagy. But I think I think Urban, if I had to put my money on it, I think he'd go. He would be my one. I'd be putting my money on. Yeah, I'm going with Matt Nagy. I just think it's they're a really disappointing franchise given the the talent they've got on the defensive end and and the the mistakes that they continually seem to make at the draft table as well. That's right. I mean, uh, the whole the drama, quarterback drama the, earlier this season as well, just certainly didn't help Matt Nagy's cause either. And and you know, they excelled even when he wasn't on the sidelines in terms of the play calling. So look, well, and play call when you've got, when you've got play, you know, playmakers like Alan Robinson, the play, the play calling to not take advantage of that. And we've seen that with a number of guys, um, 
both on the ground and in the air over the last couple of years. That I think there's there's something seriously wrong in that Chicago front office. Yeah, there needs to be a clean out in Chicago for sure. They 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 kind of needed to start from the bottom down, and obviously being a playoff team last year didn't really allow that. That probably um, you know um, papered over. Uh, you know what I'm trying to say? They cemented over, over the cracks. That's the one paper over the cracks. That's what I was going to say. And then I thought that was wrong, but uh, that that's where I thought my mind was going. I think that eight and eight record last year certainly flattered them and, and sneaking yeah. into that seventh wildcard position, uh, seventh seed, I should say. So yeah, look, I feel, I feel like you're probably on the money there. And, and he, if he's not the first, he will certainly be one of the few to go this year at the yeah, end of the grade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Next up from Pastry Press NFL on Instagram, who asks, is DK Metcalf overrated? I actually think he's kind of adequately rated. You know, he's he's a tier two, tier three kind of guy. This season, you know, with, with a backup quarterback for half the year, he's had 42 catches for 600 yards, an average of 14 yards per catch. And that's nothing to sneeze at for a guy like, a guy like that. I mean, he's, he's a downhill runner. You know, he's not going to, not going to make those big cuts. You know, he wants, he wants open space, but he's got eight touchdowns as well. He, he has a lot of impact in the red zone. Um, and, you know, I think over the course of the, the nine games this year, he's averaging 68 yards per game. Like he's got eight touchdowns. He's behind Tyler Lockett, I think, in importance to Seattle's offense. But I think most teams would take, you know, 60 yard, 68 yards per game and a touchdown from their, you know, number two wide receiver. What are you, what are you thinking? Oh, look, I, I think he has to be rated as a number one wide receiver and, and, and because of his talent and potentially the output we've seen over the last couple of years. And don't get me wrong, Tyler Lockett's been a stud for, in this league for almost a decade, if not longer. So, I mean, he's been down completely uh, this year, Tyler. And, and DK, in a, in a sense, has been down. But like you said, those numbers actually don't read too bad. He's actually, like you said, with those eight touchdowns, he's actually the equal third highest um, touchdown scorer for wide receivers, only behind... Mike Evans, and of course, um, oh, my name just escapes me there. I've just gone blank. There was another one in front of him for a wide receiver, and then he's tied with Tyreek Hill. So it's a pretty good list that he's on. And and like you said, the output's been done with uh, Geno Smith under center for three or four weeks as well. So, look, I, I certainly feel like he's adequately rated as well, mate. And look, maybe the the off-field or the, the, the indiscretions he gets into on-field, I should say, uh, when he doesn't have the ball, you know, he got ejected again last week. Um, plays a part in, in people maybe thinking he's overrated, he gets a bit ahead of himself or or whatnot. But yeah, he's he's certainly a super talented guy. And like you said, probably that, you know, that second tier wide receiver group in the league. Cooper Cup, I think, is that Cooper other, Cup was the one I couldn't think of. Receiver. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you're right. Cup Cup number one, Evans number two, and then Tyreek Hill and DK Metcalf tied at yeah, eight touchdowns. Yeah. So he, he's certainly been uh, th- those numbers surprised me. And to be honest, when I first saw that question from the pastry press. Um, I probably tended to lean, yeah, maybe he is. But then I looked at his numbers again. I thought, you know, despite his potentially having a quiet year for his standards, he's, he's still up there in the elite level of um, of wide receivers with, with the numbers he's put up. So, yeah, I, I don't think we can say he's overrated. And like you said, I think he's probably rated at that second second tier wide receiver group, and that's probably a fair, a fair place for him. Yeah, I think he's. you look at some of the, the games – this year as well. He's putting up those those numbers against some pretty decent defensive units as well. He had 60 and a touchdown against Indy, 65 and a touchdown against San Francisco, 98 and two against the Rams. Um, obviously, we're not going to count the Jags, but you know, just under 100 and touchdown against New Orleans. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, like like you said, you know, four games with with Geno Smith under center is, you know, it's not exactly Russell Wilson or, or elite quarterback play. So, yeah, I think the numbers that he's putting up are, are, are pretty decent for, you know, for for what we're talking about is a down year for a guy with that sort of talent. So, you know, I, I think he's probably adequately evenly rated, but you know, he's one of those guys that his his potential and his talent is so high that maybe that can that can kind of over overpower yeah. expectations maybe. Um, before we get stuck into week 11, any other talking points from, from week 10 that you want to get off your chest? Oh, not to be honest, not really, to be honest, mate. It's, it's, it's one of those weeks again that we, we struggled. Well, I, I certainly did in terms of our, our, my best bets and, um, yeah, just one of those weeks that was really hard to predict. And, um, we saw some, we saw some big games from some, from teams and, and certainly some, some teams that have now made some statements, but, and also some that, some that have really, really gone off the boil, yeah. Uh, the Rams being one, which I'm sure we'll touch on a bit later. Yeah, look, it, it was a tough one. It's funny looking back at our at our plays from last week. We actually between us had a decent week, but it was just the 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 ones that we chose as our best three each kind of let us down. I think I went one one and two. You went zero oh and three. Uh, we had a couple of player props. I think get up and um, that was about it. So we kind of salvaged the week. I think for me it was Mark Andrews and the Chiefs. Uh, for you, I think you had Lamar Jackson prop that got up early in the week. Yeah, that was, was about that it, mate. Uh, for me, really honest. Uh, there yeah. was a couple, like you said, there was a couple of plays that we we um, we spoke about that we didn't count in our best that that got up. But yeah, it was a pretty down one for the for the ones we tried to lock in. Obviously, mm. the Rams and the the Ravens um, really costing us dearly. Um, we were yeah. both really bullish on both of those teams, and they they both laid an egg really. Yeah. Well, thank thankfully we both finally played that chiefs line and we haven't played many chiefs minus lines across the course of the year, but um, luckily we did this week and it, it paid off, but there, there are a couple of others that, you know, we probably should have, should have put in the best, like the, the Dallas one, looking back at, at Dallas looked like a bit of a moral um, and uh, probably kicking myself a little bit that we didn't put that in the best or even as the, the lock of the week, given we both had it as a play, but um, yeah, obviously a little, a little stronger on Baltimore uh, unfortunately, and and obviously the Rams uh, on Tuesday morning our time, which was was a shame. But uh, yeah, as always, thank you. On uh, during just after the game started, it was a, just a classic case of entrapment. We we got absolutely robbed by the books. They they knew what they're doing. The money came for the San Francisco, uh, the San Francisco 49ers to actually cover, and um, we were made to look a bit silly. But the Rams were very very disappointing, and I don't think um, many would have predicted that kind of scoreline. No, it was pretty ugly watching, and and yeah, like you said, we were we were chatting throughout the game, just almost almost laughing incredulously at <laughs> and how the books would be reacting to that because they just yeah they got it spot on. Um, that feels there. Yeah, as they do, you know that they get it right so That's often, do, unfortunately, yeah. um, which makes this an, an incredibly difficult uh, pastime betting on the NFL. But as always, remember that we're recording on a Thursday night Melbourne time on the east coast of Australia, so our player props generally, obviously for the the Thursday night football game, the Friday morning, our time uh, is in the Australian books, but uh, we take a lot of lines and props from Vegas. Uh, obviously, as the, the course of the weekend goes on, uh, some of these lines and totals and props or, or whatever are subject to change, but we'll try and update uh, on Twitter and, and other socials as we can when we can. Um, so let's get stuck into week 11. The buys are the Denver Broncos and the LA Rams. Uh, Thursday night football, New England at Atlanta. The line is Atlanta plus six and a half. The total is 47 and a half. 
Do you want to kick us off for week 11? Yeah, absolutely. The Patriots looking for five straight and have uh, also six of their last seven uh, when they go on to take uh, on the Atlanta Falcons in a rematch of Super Bowl uh, 51. Look, uh, you'd think the, the Patriots bandwagon and train just keeps rolling on. Mac Jones has been been super all year. He's um, right up there now with Offensive Rookie of the Year betting uh, right behind Jamar Chase. So I know we'll, uh, a couple of weeks ago we looked at some of the uh, – our mid-season review kind of style and and the awards. And we both kind of had Jamar Chase, but Mac Jones is chasing him down hard with, with an impressive uh, impressive run. And look, I think that run continues against a, a pretty obviously average Atlanta defense. They're coming off that 43-3 hiding at the hands of the Cowboys, where Matt Ryan actually finished with his lowest pass rating of his career. And it's been a pretty storied career for Matty Ryan. He only finished with 117 yards and two picks. Uh, the Patriots just come into this game, you know, looking to continue their perfect road record as well. They, they've won all four games on the road, while Atlanta actually haven't won a, a single game in Atlanta this year. The only home game that they've won was in London. So, look, I think that trend continues, and the Patriots just continue on their merry way, and they really put some pressure on the Bills in the AFC East. So, yeah, I think it's a, a play for me. Uh, I know you're keen on the points, but I'll, I'll take my, I'll ban myself from playing any totals this week after last week's debacle so i'll play new england minus six and a half here mate and uh pretty confidently too yeah i actually i agree with you i I am playing slightly differently i'm taking the points here but this is not what i expected from the patriots i I thought that they would be a decent defensive team i thought they'd be below average offensively but they're a top five dvoa team in 2021 and this is with an inefficient offense. It, it only ranks 16th in DVOA offense. So it's not, that is league average. You know, that is the meaning of league average. It's not below average uh, like I thought it would be, but you know, they're, they're a top three or top five DVOA defense and being inefficient on offense doesn't mean that you can't put up points. And we've seen them do that. Uh, the Pats can score points and score heavily at times, six consecutive games scored 24 plus, including a 50 burger at home to the jets and a 40 burger at home to the Browns. And we know the Jets on their day defensively can be pretty decent. Uh, and we know on their day, the Cleveland Browns defensively can be pretty decent. Um, and we know pretty much all we need to know about the Atlanta Falcons defense, which is to say that they barely have one at the moment. I think that there's points in this game. I'm going the over 47 and a, a player prop, like you mentioned, Mac Jones, who, who's been on a bit of a hot streak over the last month or, or six weeks. Um, I like Mac Jones, 253 plus passing yards at a dollar 90 is uh one of my player props for this week um any segue into my my player prop mate um I'm, I'm keen on kendrick Bourne. i think he's looking mm-hmm. like almost more like more and more like his number one receiver and his line at the moment is only i think it's 35 or 36 and a half line uh you know he gets that he's a he's the chunk play man in that uh, in that patriots uh wide receiving court so you know one pass downfield could almost see him go over that line and especially if you're expecting a big day in the passing game for the Patriots and Mac Jones. I mean, you can actually shop around. You can get Aguilar and Hunter Henry, two of, two other of his favourite targets around that mid-30s as well. But mm-hmm. I've settled on Kendrick Bourne as mine. So, uh, And there's a same-game multi that I like as my long shot this week. So, look, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty invested in tomorrow morning or tomorrow afternoon's game, uh, that Thursday night football game. So, yeah, there's a few player props that I'll be, I'll be having a look at. Yeah, I think Hunter Henry touchdown props as well could be worth looking at. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's turning into a, yeah. a red zone target for Mac Jones. And 
Um, we know that he's been that in the past, you know, at, at previous teams, uh, he's been pretty dynamic and, and powerful in the red zone. So, you know, he's, he's finally kind of getting back to that fitness and health that we you know haven't seen from him for so long that, um, you know, he can be a real weapon for that new England offense. He's been done. He's been awesome. Hasn't he? And, and, and many, including myself thought probably that he'd play second fiddle behind John U. Smith after, especially mm. after the couple of seasons, uh, Smith had in Tennessee. Uh, he's, he's really had no impact on that offense at all. Where, Whereas Hunter Henry's shown, uh, shown and um, yeah, especially in that red zone now with the last three or four weeks, he's, he's been uh, scoring at will. So that probably continues as well. So yeah, chuck him into your same game multi as well um, for anyone having a punt. Because I think, yeah, he'll be getting plenty of targets or looks in that red zone with uh, against that Atlanta defense for sure. Like it, like it. Uh, we might touch on a few of those plays a bit later on at the end of the show when we look at some of the long shots and, and props again. But uh, next up, Detroit at Cleveland. Cleveland minus 11 and a half. The total is 49 and a half. I think it is. Just got a typo here that I'm not sure what it is, but um, this line has gone from 10 to 11 and a half in the space of 24 hours. I don't want any part of this game at all. How about you? Look, I'm, I'm just going in to have a look now for that line, because if that's 49 and a half, I want to be all over the unders to be honest, mate, because this defense against that offense, like, that offensive line is going to be in for a long day against Cleveland's defense. I mean, they were blown off the park by the Patriots last week, but yeah, there's, there's no way that they'll, they'll be able to withstand that Cleveland pass rush that have um, had the league highest uh, sacks this year at 29, but I can't see. Oh, here it is. 43 and a half. It is 43. Oh, that makes more sense. I was going to say yep. 49. Makes a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's a massive get off me. I couldn't find it with that on the books there, but look, 43 and a half, it's still almost a play for me as an unders, but like I said, I am banning myself from the points this week. So I have got it as a no play, but if it was 49 and a half, it would have been an all in, I think. But look, like <laughs> I said, they, they've gave up 10 sacks the last two weeks, Detroit. Uh, so yeah, I think that offensive line, I mean, they came up against the Steelers uh, and I can't remember who they lost to the week before might've been even the Rams, but that offensive line has been a, uh, yeah, a bit of a, Bit of a obviously a, a worry for Detroit and protecting Jared Goff and yeah, like I said, Cleveland's pass rush recording equal league best twenty nine sacks this year. So uh, I feel like it's a bounce back week for the Bron- uh, the Browns defense that let um, Mac Jones and the Patriots put up forty five against them last week. Uh, so yeah, hard to see Detroit you know playing as well as they did against last week. Um, had to settle for a tie. The poor things again. <laughs> Some luck got me <laughs> against them late. They just can't buy a win at the moment. And it would have been their first win in Pittsburgh since 1955. So got a feel for Detroit. The uh, Yeah, it just keeps getting worse in that in that uh, town for that franchise. But yeah, it's a no play for me, mate. It's a, it's a pretty stinky game. Um, yeah. Browns are serious. I can't get... Yeah. I- I can't get the uh, the Cleveland Browns defense right at all this year. I've I've, yeah. I've tried to play them a couple of times in in fantasy. I dropped them the week they played the Bengals and they put up twenty eight points. And then I brought them back in the lineup last week and they put up a minus six. So I just I cannot get them right, and I just do not trust. I'll be playing them this all. week. I think I think it's pretty safe to play them this week against uh, <laughs> a Detroit offense. But look. Um, yeah, it's a pretty stinky game all around, as you said. So let's just yeah. let's just move on from it. We'll leave it at that. Um, next up, San Francisco at Jacksonville. The Jaguars plus six and a half. The total is 45 and a half. Do you want to kick us off with this one? Yeah, look, the the, the Niners are coming off that huge win uh, on Monday Night Football against the Rams that we, we spoke about off the top. And 
yeah, it, it's hard to see them really not continuing that momentum against a pretty ordinary Jags outfit. But, you know, I, I feel like the Niners defense, I don't know if they turned a corner, but I mean, they were pretty amazing last week. They they obviously allowed the Rams only for um, only allowed 10 points in, and 278 yards against one of the best offenses in football, if not the best on paper anyway. And obviously uh, the Jags, yeah, we, we knew it was an anomaly against Buffalo. They, they uh, did they or however they did give the Colts a bit of a a bit of a fright late in that game. They were down by seventeen, and I know we were both on the Colts minus ten. I, I know I know myself. I was sitting pretty comfortable, but that that turned to shit pretty quickly when the Jags got going and the Colts completely stopped. But yeah, I feel like um, yeah that I don't know if that can continue this week. It's it's a game I'd, I don't want to play in though at all. San Francisco really should go over the top of them, and that minus six and a half, like you said, yeah, like I think you're keen on. Looks like a low line, but yeah, no confidence in this game at all. So I'll sit out of this one, mate. Yeah, it does. It does feel like a bit of a trap spread, given the Niners' belting of of my Super Bowl favorites last week in the Rams. Um, but other than that feeling, though, I can't really think of another reason not to play this line when it's under a touchdown. I think the data speaks for itself. The Jags are generally horrible. You know, they're horribly run as a franchise. They're horribly coached at the moment. There's not a whole lot of talent on either side of the field in Jacksonville. And, and there are obviously issues with the Niners. I mean, you can't go from some of the putrid performances that we've seen earlier in the season, then go and do that on Tuesday, um, Australian Eastern time, Monday night football. But uh, th- there's obviously issues in San Francisco, but w- we've spoken about that a lot over the course of this season, but under a touchdown here, I'm, I'm in on that. Uh, and like I said, it, it could be a trap and I do feel that, but, I just I can't not play this under a touchdown. It might be different if that if that comes out to a flat seven or or seven and a half, but at six and a half, I'm taking that Niners line all day. Um, any final thoughts on that one? No, no, not for me, mate. Not a game I want to be a part of at all. But like you said, can't can't uh, argue with you playing the Niners there because uh, on paper they they really should walk over the top of them by more than a touchdown. So yeah, it, it's just not a game I can get excited or confident about. It's never that easy, is it? If it was that easy, everyone would do it. Uh, Indianapolis at Buffalo, the Bills minus seven. The total is 50 and a half. I know that there's another high-profile, high-octane game later on in the slate, but this game is nearly my game of the week. It's a no-play for me here. I I really rate both Indy and Buffalo as two of the most well-run and well-operated franchise in the league. Both teams are built strongly on defense with evolving and developing offenses, I can't wait to watch this one, but I reckon I'm going to leave it at that. If I was leaning to anything, it'd probably be the unders given the strength of both defenses and that pretty high line at, at 50 plus, but it's uh it's not a big play in my book. Um, so I, I'm happy to kind of leave it as a no play and just a, a must watch. How about you? Yeah, look, I was probably leaning that way to start with, but the more I thought about it, the more I had to play the Colts to that, at that touchdown start. Uh, if that goes out, which I think it, probably will trend to go that way rather than uh, the other way. I think it could be out to an eight or a nine point start for, for Buffalo, which I'd be jumping in on all over uh, for the Colts. And look, I know they were pretty poor, especially late against the Jags, but they're a pretty good defense and, and what the bills did against the Jags. Uh, yeah. It, it's, it's hard to be, you know, too confident with the bills yet. I know they obviously bounced back pretty hard last week with that win against the jets it was actually the third time this year they've scored more than 40, which uh, sets a new franchise record of 280 points. Through the first nine games, Josh Allen threw for a season high yardage, uh, 366. 
and the Bills, again, defense really shined and picked off for four interceptions. So it's hard to see the, the Colts putting up too many points, like you said, but I feel like it's going to be a close one. And, and as it was in that wild card game last year when Philip Rivers almost let a, an upset come back, come from behind win uh, against the Bills. So uh, Jonathan Taylor is just going to keep doing his thing. He, again, amassed over 100 yards on the ground, 116 in a touchdown. Uh, it's going to be a great test for him this week against uh, that Bills defense who, you know, is number one ranked in football for takeaways uh, uh, and points and yards allowed. So, you know, it's 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 the best first, the best there. And look, I, I think it's going to be an absolute cracking game. And, and like you said, uh, vying for match of the week. And uh, just with that line, I think I have to play the Colts and, and uh, at, my, at the seven-point start. But, yeah, definitely not... Um, Super, super confident, but I'll, I'll play that. I'll play that line. I, I reckon I, I agree with you. I, I think if, if when you've got a team, a, a game like this with two really strong teams, and I think you take the underdog when you've got that sort of line. But uh, I think it would be a must play for me if it was eight or more. Mm-hmm. At the seven, it's probably not so much. Um, and like I said, I probably lean the unders a little bit more than that. But yeah, I can't argue with you on on any of that. Yeah, I feel like, yeah. like I said, it is a is a chance that gets out to that eight, um, which might entice you, and and that would certainly be fill me with a bit more confidence as well. But, um, yeah, it's gonna be a cracking game either way. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. From a cracking game to <laughs> not so cracking game, uh, the Miami Dolphins at New York Jets. The Jets plus three and a half. The total forty four and a half. What have you got? Well. The, the storyline here is Joe Flacco is back in the league as a starter. Can you believe it? So, uh, yeah, after the Mike White experiment has gone gone south last week, they've, they've named Joe Flacco as the starter this week, which is just mind-boggling. And I know um, uh, Mike Greenberg, one of the one of the more, more high-profile Jets fans, sounded off on that the other night on uh, ESPN. From, from Mike and Mike? Mike yeah, Greenberg from, from Mike yeah, and Mike? He's now on uh, Get Up, I think his show is. That's but yeah, he he was not happy with that call, and I can understand why. I mean, I don't understand why they would be going back to the well here in Joe Flacco. Uh, which, from a franchise build perspective. No, exactly, and that kind of just reeks of negativity to me. So, look, I think Miami would, would go in and keep that momentum rolling that they did against Baltimore last week. That defense was unbelievable last week for Miami. So, yeah, it, it, it's really hard to see New York putting up too many points in this one. So... For that basis, um, I think Miami win. I just not a game I want to play in at all. Even though that three and a half is very enticing, but um, yeah, I'll sit out of this one. But I think the Dolphins are good things. It is. It is a disgusting game. We're talking about two bottom six offenses. You know, probably the worst defense in the competition in New York. A middle of the range defense in Miami that really has the talent to be a top ten defense and has shown that only in in fits and bursts over the course of this year, but we expected a lot more out of that defensive unit preseason. The Jets have shipped points almost every week this season, but there aren't many more dysfunctional offenses than what we're seeing in Miami at the moment. Although you could make the claim that starting Joe Flacco in New York is a pretty dysfunctional move, but I just don't think that that Miami have the ability to take advantage of the holes in the Jets defense this week. I, I just don't think that there's a whole lot of points in this at all. And, and, one of my big plays this week is the under in this one, under 44 and a half. It's not a huge line, but uh, yeah, I think that this is like one of those, you know, 17, 20 type games, 17, 23 type games. Um, so I, I'm big on the unders in, in this one. Um, you're thinking leaning Miami, but not a play. 
yeah, not a play for me, mate. But like I said, I, I couldn't see New York putting up any real score to to win a game, let alone, um, yeah, to let alone cut, worry the the total points line, like you said. So I feel like the unders is probably a strong play, mate. But like you said, I'm, I'm banning myself from them this week. So I'll let you do that. But I'll be cheering you on for a, a dull game in that sh- no, show, that's... that game that I won't be watching. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I'll be watching it either, even though I've got to play in it. I haven't had too many um, total points plays at all this season. Didn't didn't start off the season well with them, so I haven't played them much this year. But this um, it feels like this week there's a, there's a few of them uh, that I just couldn't get away from. So we'll see how we go, and hopefully we can get a get a couple of wins on the board. But uh, next up, Washington at Carolina. The Panthers minus three and a half. The total is forty three and a half, and we've got Super Cam back in Carolina. Carolina welcomes back Cam Newton. And who's on the other side? His old uh, sparring partner, Ron Rivera, who coached him in the Super Bowl 50, of course. So, look, I it's funny how these things work out. I mean, Cam Newton played last week against Arizona, who actually made his debut against well, well way back when. And, look, it's just the NFL always throws out these storylines where, it, you know, there's like there's reunion games always pretty early in terms of um, when, it, when a big player goes to another team. There's always, it always seems to be those reunion games. And, obviously... That's happening again with the, the old coach is facing him off this week. So, look, mm. it's it's an interesting game. Two teams are coming off um, surprise victories, I suppose, last week. Uh, that Panthers defense is, is back to that that form that we saw in the first few weeks. Uh, it's coincided with Christian McCaffrey coming back. Uh, the last two weeks, they've won both those games, and they're 5-0 and zero with him in the lineup. Sam Darnold sitting on the pine probably helped too, to be honest. But look, it was uh, it was a better display by the Panthers. It, it sparked by their defense. And, and the, I mean, I think Arizona turned it over three or four times in their first three or four drives. They turned it over mm. every time. And the Panthers' defense was just all over them and, and never looked like losing. And to do that to a team that was 8-1 and one is, is pretty impressive. Obviously, Washington had a really impressive win last week too against uh, the reigning Super Bowl champions and, and Tom Brady. And... They, that drive in the last quarter where they went 19 plays in over 10 or 11 minutes, which was the longest drive in the league, to, to then cap it off with a touchdown score was was mighty impressive against that that Tampa Bay defense. And, you know, after the, the cruel realization of losing their star defensive end, Chase Young, with a torn ACL, which is which is a bitter blow for, for Washington and, and their franchise moving forward. However, they, you know, they just had enough uh, grit and fight and, to really see out the game and, and pull off the the statement win, whether they can do that two weeks in a row, I'm, I'm unsure. Especially against that Carolina defense away from home, and yeah, just no faith in um, in that Washington in that Washington defense, but uh, Washington offense to to get really any points or get anything going uh, against Carolina. Although, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a tough one, and and in these kind of affairs, as you've taught me well before mate you usually play the plus but i'll just stay out of this one and and watch a yeah an interesting game for sure and and one where the carolina panthers really can you know make a mark and and put themselves down as an nfc playoff contender again yeah it really is an intriguing matchup and i think similar to the last game i kind of feel like this one is going to be a bit of a grind a really ugly one to watch your washington rely on their ground game especially with heineke under center and and the panthers run defense is really good and they showed that last week and they've shown it kind of at different points over the course of this season. Carolina also going to rely on the ground game with Cam back. And I just can't see the score blowing out, you know, one way or another. I can't see Washington getting out to a 14 point lead on the Panthers. And I, I can't see the Panthers getting out to that 14 or 17 point lead that they got out to last week on Arizona. Um, 
So I, I can't see a blowout. I think it's going to be a bit of a, a dour affair. And again, I'm, I'm going back to the well with the unders here. I know, again, it's another kind of low total at 43. But um, again, I kind of feel like it's that, you know, 17, 19 type results, you know, really kind of boring, ugly, uh, scratchy type defensive matchup. Um, and I, I think you're right that, you know, Carolina, you know, if, if you're going to take, take a team to, to win, it's probably Carolina based on last week. But um, yeah, I, I can't take that three and a half uh, based on that total because I, I just don't think it's it's a blowout either way, um, you know, over over a field goal. But uh, I guess we'll we'll see. Yeah, um, that Washington defense could have turned a corner last week, and and mm. like you've been banging on about, they're too talented not to kind of get back to some sort of form. So without Chase Young, it makes it harder, of course. But mm. look, it was impressive performance against you know one of the best offenses in the league. So. You know, if they carry that in, they're, they're every chance. And like you said, that's it's probably a safe play to play the unders if, if both defences can bring what they brought last week. But, um, yeah, sit out for me. But I can understand you playing the unders here again, uh, mate. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And, uh, and I guess another intriguing matchup, Baltimore at Chicago. Chicago plus five and a half. The total is 45 and a half. And I'm zip and three on Baltimore spreads so far this season in my best bets. Um, so this is a no play for me. I, I just can't play the Ravens at the moment. Like I touched on the Browns earlier, I can't play the Browns. I can't play the Ravens. Uh, how about you? What have you got? Yeah, look, I, I'm just as bad, if not worse, on the Ravens this year. I reckon I could even be on four on Ravens uh, games that I've played in, played in, whether that be taking the other team at the plus or playing the Ravens at the minus. But um, yeah, stupidly, I'm going back to the well and I, I can't see the Baltimore Ravens playing as badly as they did last week. And I'll take that minus five and a half because I'm a sicko. But look, I, I just hate what the Bears are doing. And, and like I said, I've been against them every week this year. So I can't stop now. So look, I think Lamar Jackson has to get back to some some sort of form. Uh, they have struggled over the last three games. I've only won one and averaging just 20.3 points um, per game. But look, that, that's, uh, that reads pretty well when you compare it to the Bears offense. So look... Mm. I feel like, um, yeah, it, it could be a bounce-back game for Lamar Jackson against the understudy, essentially, Justin Fields. So he'll want to make a want to make a statement. And I, I feel like, um, you know, him and the Ravens will do that this week. And that defense has to improve after some of the the, out, the outings they've had the last couple of weeks uh, in Baltimore. So, look, I'll play minus five and a half, but with no confidence. But why not? <laughs> you, you mentioned, uh, I'm going to throw this one at you off, off the cuff and, and no prep or, or chat about this pre-recording, but you mentioned Justin Fields as uh, Lamar Jackson's understudy, I guess. We, we've spoken a little bit about Chicago over the, the course of the season, obviously about their offense or lack of offense. Um, what, what do you make of Justin Fields? Look, he he he's certainly a work in progress. He showed enough signs to be undoubtedly the starter in, in, in Chicago and probably should have been from day one, to be honest. But there was just obviously no faith in in that offensive line early days. And look, they they protected him, I, sh- I shouldn't say well or adequately because it's probably been below average, to be honest. But he, he's done enough with his legs. He just hasn't made enough plays with his arm. And, and whether or not that's... Um, all he's doing, or if it's a combination of, of Matt Nagy and the offensive coordinator and, and, and the plays that they're running, because obviously that he's got a, some, he's got some pretty good talent to throw to. He just hasn't um, been able to really capitalize. I mean, he's been, he looks accurate, accurate enough from the bits I've seen of him, but 
there's obviously a lot of lot of development still to happen in the next uh, mm. two or three years, and uh, he'll make it as an NFL starter. You know, uh, this, I think he, he's not one of those flash. He's he's not an RG three, for instance. He he looks a bit yeah. more. Um, he could be a, a bit more settled in the league than than someone like that. And, and look, it's a good comparison with him and Jalen Hurts. And I mean, I, I would probably prefer Jalen Hurts in my team right now, and I, and I'm sure you would as well, being a Philly man. But you know. Would do you compare them as or see them quite similar at this stage, or do you feel feel like it, it is a fair gap between the two at this stage? Uh, oh, look, I think I think Jalen Hurts is is comfortably ahead at the moment. Yeah. Um, I feel like Justin Fields' ceiling is probably higher. Uh, yeah. I think that I think Justin Fields can has the well has the potential to be a better NFL quarterback than Jalen Hurts. But right now, I mean, Hurts has a has an extra season of development. Uh, they're obviously, as much as they're both kind of running quarterbacks, they are quite different in their in their athleticism and, and skill set. Um, but you know, the, I think that the tools that that Fields has at his disposal. You look at guys like um, David Montgomery, uh, Alan Robinson, obviously, even guys like Darnell Mooney and and some of those other kind of lesser lights. You know, they're all pretty good players in that Chicago offense. And I think it, it really comes down to play calling and coaching and, and development in, in that franchise. I'm not sure that, that Justin Fields can take a, a whole lot of blame as to what's happening in, in that offense. Um, but I think he can be a, he can be a really good player in the NFL. So I, I'm intrigued to see him come up against kind of the, you know, the standout running quarterback of, of current times. I mean, obviously we've seen some pretty good runners in, in the past, but you know, he's the best runner at, at the position at the moment. Um, it's going to be intriguing to see see how how Fields copes with that that kind of matchup. One play they're missing desperately, Chicago, is Tariq Cohen, and he's kind of been mm. a bit of a forgotten man. And he was potentially going to return after week three or four this season, but he's still been on the you know um, an inactive list or physically unable to perform list for all season, really. And and look, he he's he's that he's that running back that or that pass catching running back that is just beautifully suited for those check down plays that Justin Fields can bail out of. And, you know, instead of taking a sack, which he has on a lot of occasions this year, mm. he could just dump it off to someone like that. So yeah, they're missing him. And like you said, there's been a lot, there's a lot of issues in Chicago that's, um, you know, before Fields' time and, and that they haven't overcome. So look, like you said, I feel like he's going to be a, a solid NFL starter, uh, you know, whether he can take that next step to where his potential should, could get him to is, is another story, but it might take a you know a new coach, a new mm. potentially even a new franchise. Who knows? But yeah, look, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting watch. Um, and look, I'd love for him to come out and play an awesome game and you know take it right up to Lamar. Um, it'd be entertaining to watch, that's for sure. That'd be a great contest. But yeah, just no faith in that Bears outfit as I have had none <laughs> all year. So yeah, rightly or wrongly, I'm playing the Ravens in that one. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, from Lamar Jackson to Justin Fields to Jalen Hurts, we have New Orleans at Philadelphia. The Eagles minus two. The total is 43 and a half. And before I pass this on to you, obviously no play for me, but what the absolute fuck? Can you tell me how the Eagles are two-point favorites in this game? Can you can you answer that question for me? I can't. And that's why the only reason I've had to drop uh, down that I'll play New Orleans. Simple as that. Plus two. I'll take that every day of the week. There's no way the Phillies should be favourites in this game. And look, they they might come out and and win and you know continue the upsets. Although 
according to the books, that wouldn't be an upset this week. Look, I, I, there's no way that Philly should be favourites in this game. They were good against last week, but they only did play the Denver Broncos, remember, and, and New Orleans uh, had a chance to tie the game against probably the league's, if not the league's, the, definitely the AFC's best team at the moment in the Tennessee Titans. And um, they did that again without Alvin Kamara. So, look, he's a chance to play this week. There's a chance... Um, He's leaning probably to playing, I think I'm reading, but at this stage, there's no confirmation if, if he will play. Uh, Miles Sanders might even be back for your boys, which mm. that could throw a, a spanner in the works after what's been going on on the run game the last few weeks have actually been successful in it. So, look. Um, Bizarre scenes. Yeah, look, I think New Orleans' defense is 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 quality. Uh, Trevor Simeon's been pretty comfortable since stepping into that uh, quarterback position and, and throwing the ball really well. He's got some decent receivers to throw to in, in Marquise Callaway. He's got Traquan Smith. He's got a couple others. And look, I, I feel like New Orleans are just more, more well-balanced across the field, and uh, especially on defense. And um, yeah, it was a surprising line to me. So I'll play New Orleans plus two here, mate. <laughs> That's a very fair call. Now, question, question again without notice. Devonta Smith has been the highest graded yes. wide receiver in the NFL f- over the last month. That is not something that I saw coming four weeks ago. Uh, it's probably not something that I can still kind of believe is happening at the moment, given you know, Jalen Hurts is at quarterback and you know he's not the greatest passer in, in the, the, the league by any stretch of the imagination. But we haven't really spoken about Devonda Smith much at all. He's flown under the radar a little bit, hasn't he? But obviously, he has, last well, I mean, you look at, look at you know, really. Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle. Mm. Look at Jalen Waddle's game last week against Baltimore. Mm. was insane. Um but he hasn't really been in that conversation so far this season, but I kind of feel like, you know, if he continues in this stretch, then potentially he, he becomes part of that argument conversation for offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, absolutely. And look, it's, it's one, it's a funny one because obviously he won the Heisman last year and the first wide receiver to do that. And I don't know, was it ever or a long, very long time if it wasn't mm-hmm. ever, but look, he, he slipped down the draft order surprisingly there was how many wide receivers got taken in front of him nick i'm not sure like it was it was at least third yeah it was at least i think definitely chase and waddle before him and yeah. look he he's just shown the last month how good he is i mean that catch last week was incredible when he went up and just caught it over mm. um over your another rookie in patrick satan who's he's obviously going to be a gun in this league as well and look over 600 yards, um, only the third ever Eagles rookie to do that in his first 10 career games. Um, the first since Deshaun Jackson in 2008 with 600. So, look, he, he's been on a bit of a tear over the last last month or so, and, and his, his numbers are starting to back him up. So, look, he, he's having a fantastic year and, and and not one to sleep on for for offensive rookie of the year, especially if he can continue the form that he's he's shown over the last month. Yeah, it's amazing. I think, so just looking at that, 2021 draft he was the third receiver taken after chase and waddle but there was kyle pitts who was obviously you know, coming out of college was more of a receiver than you know the, the traditional tight end so you could probably count him as a as a receiver as well but um yeah pretty pretty amazing kind of month stretch from uh from devonta smith i think he was the highest graded player uh in week 10 and like i said the highest graded offensive player over the last month in the nfl which is Pretty impressive from a guy who's, you know, a bit of a midget. So we'll take that in Philly. Um, next up, Houston at Tennessee. Tennessee minus 10. The total is 44 and a half. The Titans have taken on all comers in the last month and continue 
to win without their star man in Derek Henry. And I'm quite keen on them in this one as well to continue that winning run. I think after a couple of tight-ish wins over the Saints, Rams, and Colts in recent weeks, this one might be the one to, to kind of you know, blow the, the dam and, and, and be the explosion. I think that every time the Texans have come up against a quality franchise in the last month, they've been exposed badly and, and it's kind of been on the ground where they've been gashed by Darrell Henderson, Jonathan Taylor, and that combination of Chase Edmonds and, and James Connor. The Colts put up 31 on the Texans. The Cardinals put up 31 on the, on the Texans. The Rams put up 38 on the Texans. Um, so I'm on Tennessee here by plenty. Uh, and like I mentioned, those running backs, it, it's a bit of a risky play given the kind of the, the committee structure that they've got in those in that running back um, uh, part of the, the team at the moment. But uh, Donta Foreman props uh, could be one to look at this week when uh, when the props come out in the Australian books could be a cheap option at DFS as well, looking to carve out a nice little role in that Titans running game and pass catching out of the backfield. But um, Tennessee by plenty for me, Tennessee minus 10. What have you got? Yeah. Tennessee minus 10 is a clear play for me as well, mate. Uh, Look, they they've won a six. They're on a six game win streak. They're the best team in the league over that stretch. They're winning all those games. They've beaten five playoff teams in a row from last season. (laughs) They're just doing things. Uh, obviously, the last fortnight they've been without Derrick Henry, but they just continue to win and, and show up. And despite those, like the ones you mentioned, there's been a few close ones. This will probably be the the one to break the dam, as you said. And look, the the Texans were awful uh, before the bye. Uh, they had the bye last week. They were they were terrible in that loss to the Dolphins. Tyra Taylor came back and he threw three interceptions. They got they're averaging a league worst fourteen point two. Points on offense, and that doesn't bode well against that Tennessee defense, who are really starting to show up. and And they were great against the Saints last week. They won the game despite only, uh, you know, um, recording 264 yards of total offense. So they did it on the defensive end. They obviously held the Rams and and um, picked off Matthew Stafford twice. And yeah, their defense is starting to really come together. and And I feel like they're just too well balanced, and it should be a pretty comfortable. Pretty comfortable two uh, double-digit lead, uh, double-digit win for the Tennessee Titans. We'll just continue on their merry way. Yeah, and and if you do agree with uh, that, I guess consensus that this could be the one to uh, to break the dam, like we both said. Then uh, there's a bit of a prop, a bit of a long shot, long shot prop uh, for either team to score forty plus points in this one at six dollars, um, which I thought was pretty good, and and obviously. You know, you're basically betting on the Titans to score 40. Um, but I think yeah, I don't that's, see the uh, Texans scoring 40, but I can't see the Texans scoring 40, but I can I can imagine the Titans putting up 40, especially, you know, even without Derrick Henry, you know, they've got those options on the ground. None of them are, are stars at the moment. Obviously, Adrian Peterson was a star, is no longer a star, but um, you know, Ryan Tannehill, AJ Brown, there's plenty of firepower still in that Tennessee offense, and the defense can put up points as well. So, yeah. you know, I, th- I think that there's plenty of opportunity for, for the Titans to put on some scoreboard pressure. And, um, you know, like I said, it's not a huge play at, at those odds, but um, it, it is a bit of a play for me this week that uh, the Titans could score 40 on the Texans. And, and six bucks odds, six buck odds, uh, I don't mind that play at all. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned Foreman props. I'm keen on Marcus Johnson props as well. He, he mm-hmm. had over 100 yards last week without Julio Jones in the lineup. And, uh, looked really comfortable, and uh, with with Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball, they had a, obviously a little bit of connect, uh, connection and chemistry there last week, and I think that'll carry on against this Texans D as well. So just keep an eye out for some receiving props if you can get around that sixty 
even 50, 60 yards, I think he's a play as well. Don't mind that at all. Don't mind that at all. Um, Green Bay at Minnesota. Minnesota plus two and a half. The total is 49. What have you got in this one, mate? Yeah, I, I can't go past Green Bay at that line. And I know it's a, a tricky one because of Minnesota. It's a it's a division game where it's a must win. They're, they're three and a half games behind the, the Packers with that division lead and look like um, it's, it's probably almost season over if they do lose it. I, I feel like the Packers defense, uh, who have, by the way, have played, uh, come up against Kyler Murray, Patrick Mahomes, and Russell Wilson the last three weeks, um, and only to a combined 34 points in those games, uh, including a shutout of the Seahawks last week, uh, which was the first time in Russell Wilson's career that that's happened. So, look, that Packers defense just continues to go from strength to strength, even though with those key injuries early in the year. Aaron Rodgers is back, and and he didn't have a dynamic game by any stretch of the imagination. AJ Dillon uh, did a lot of the bulk work after Aaron Jones went down, but look, the Packers' D has just been unreal, and I don't see Minnesota troubling them too much in this one. Look, I know they've played a lot of close games. None of their games have actually been decided by more than seven points either way, but I think Green Bay will just do enough to continue that dominance in the NFC North, and and win that game and essentially almost lock up the division this week with a, with a win. And I think that line seems very low under a field goal. I think that's quite generous. So I'll, I'll take that minus two and a half for Green Bay and it's one of my better bets of the week. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. It's, it's funny talking about a, a couple of things that have been real, I guess, bugbears of, of Packers fans and commentators across the game. But, at, you know, the selection of AJ Dillon uh, in, in the second round of the draft two years ago, was obviously a big a big one given they already had Aaron Jones and especially after they picked uh, Jordan Love in the first round of that same draft and the Packers defense was one of the big complaints that you know they didn't utilize those two selections on defensive players when there was such glaring holes in in that Packers defense and and you know AJ Dillon was the star last week he he was the breakout player of that game and he's been really solid almost every week as well as kind of the the number 2 running back kind of you know, change of pace type guy, um, complimenting Aaron Jones weekly. And, and obviously when Jones went down, that uh, that Dylan was able to step up and and be that impact guy was really important. And like you mentioned, the defense at, at Green Bay has been unbelievable over the last couple of weeks. You know, much, much improved, much developed. Um, you, you can see there's clear improvements across almost every line uh, from the defensive line to the secondary. Um, you know, they, they've just gotten better and better and better almost every week over the course of this season. Um, and that was a, a real concern, I think, for, for everybody talking about the Packers coming into this season, was that they they didn't look to have rectified some of the issues that we've spoken about over the last two to three years in that that Green Bay defense. But yeah, look, coming back to this game in particular, like you said, if, if the Vikings win this one, then there's still a glimmer of hope on the season and, and maybe Zimmer keeps his job. But if they lose, it's kind of that nail in the coffin, like you said, and, and I'm, I'm not sure I can see them doing that. It, it is a no play for me only because of the rivalry between these, these two teams. Um, and I know that, that the Vikings do tend to come out hard in these ones, but, but, you know, if, if I'm going with, with my head, um, you know, I'm, I'm going with Packers almost every time in this one, but it's a no play for me this week. Yeah. Matt LaFleur, he's building quite a record as a, as a coach, isn't he? I mean, in the regular season so far in his career, he's gone 34 and eight, which is over mm. 800, um, you know, or 80%, uh, which way you want to look at it. But look, it's, it's an incredible 
regular season record. Obviously, he's probably more well known for the the call of kicking a field goal last year in the <laughs> NFC Championship game, and his postseason record's only two and two. But yeah, that that regular season record, they're they're building something pretty special in Green Bay. And you know, while they can, they're still obviously in the window, and and this could be the year finally for the Packers after so long awaiting and getting so close. This this could be the year for Green Bay. I mean, the, the NFC is quite top heavy. You look at the teams that are at the top of the NFC, and you got the Bucks, you got the Packers, you got the Rams, etc. Um, but after those top three, it's it's the drop off is quite stark. Yeah. Um, so this this could be the year for Green Bay, and you know they're in they're in a pretty solid position now that that you know the Cardinals uh, are now eight and two rather than nine and one, um, and you know they're, they're kind of in in prime or pole position to kind of you know take the lead in, in the nfc standing so you know you expect that they come out all guns blazing but you know these these sometimes these rivalry games can be can be hard to pick so for me this is a stay out but um you reckon that's one of your plays of the week yep i'm 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 confident i think um i yeah i know i know minnesota are very flaky and 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 like you said talked about the rivalry but i just got a lot of faith in that green bay defense and and overall what they're doing and it's a good little segue, though, you mentioned into uh, our next game is that you said the NFC is really top heavy. Uh, at the moment, um, you've got teams in the wildcard spot that are under 500, for instance. Um, mm. Oh, sorry, Carolina at 500 at 5 and 5. But you look over at um, the AFC, the two next teams we're going to talk about, Cincinnati and Las Vegas, both sitting at 5 and 4, but both outside the playoff positions, even despite having that higher, uh, better record. So, uh, like you said, there's there's those really top heavy teams in the NFC, while the AFC is a lot more evenly weighted. Despite if you take out, uh, there's actually those pretty ordinary teams down the bottom of the AFC as well in terms <laughs> of Houston and Jacksonville, etc. But look, um, yeah, it seems like a more even race in the AFC this year for the mm. playoffs than, than the NFC for sure. Yeah, agreed. And like you said, good segue because the next game is Cincinnati at Las Vegas. The Raiders plus one the total is fifty. And the Bengals had a much-needed week off after two consecutive horrific defeats. And this one is a big steer-clear game for me because I just don't know what to expect out of either of these two teams, really. If you'd asked me three weeks ago, I'd be on the Bengals all day, every day here. But this last couple of weeks has, has really thrown me and, and shook my faith in what they were trying to do in, in Cincinnati. And we know the Raiders are the Raiders. And you know, they're, even when they're good, they're not great. So um, what are you thinking with this one? Yeah, it's, it's a really tough one, like you said, and, and it's a crucial one as well with both teams mm. being at five and four and the Raiders having that huge blowout loss last week. The, the Bengals coming off the bye, but they had that huge blowout loss, which was eerily similar against the Browns the week before. So it's it's an interesting one. It, I'm a, I think it's who keeps more a hold of the football. Both teams have been turning it over like crazy in those last two losses. Um five giveaways in the last two games for the Vegas uh, Raiders where they've had only five through the first seven weeks, for instance. So yeah, they're just not keeping the football and look, the Bengals, like you said, I, I was buying them. And in the last couple of weeks that after that, that capitulation against the jets, they obviously um, carried that into that Cleveland game where they were just blown mm. off the park and, and the buy might've reset them. And to be honest, I'll probably lean that way if I was having a, if I was picking a winner, but yeah, not a game I'm going to bet in at all. So it's a no play for me, but uh, just to remember as well, the Raiders slump, they're, they're very well known for that. They uh, of course, last year um, were set, uh, five and two last year, uh, sorry, six and three last year at this stage mm-hmm. and fell to eight and eight for the, for the year. 
And the year before they were, they headed in at six and four and then fell to seven and nine. So, you know, they, they lost their last two and they kind of, this is where they usually turn their form into shit uh, after mm. a hot start. So Second I think levels. that continues and look, like I said, if I was, if I was having a lean either way, I'd, I'd be going to Bengals, but um, no confidence after the last couple of weeks on either team. So it's a stay out from me as well, mate. Yeah. Spot on. I think gun to head. I'm on the Bengals, but only just, um, and, and like I said, if you'd asked me two or three weeks ago, it would have been a strong play on the Bengals, but uh, no such play this week. Uh, speaking of two average teams, we're now going to a game that, you know, could potentially be game of the week if, if they get their games together. And that's Arizona at Seattle, the Seahawks plus one and a half. The total is 48. And both of these teams were incredibly disappointing last week. It was kind of horrific for, for both franchises. The Cardinals losing their one game advantage in the NFC, courtesy of the thumping by Carolina, which I'm not sure anyone expected. And the Seahawks shut out by the Packers again, which I don't think anyone expected. Still waiting to hear about whether Kyler Murray is starting or what it's going to be because Colt McCoy was injured in that last game as well. So that's a really interesting, uh, I guess, piece of the puzzle to keep an eye on this week. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who bounces back best from that disappointing defeat last week. And what did you make of Russell Wilson in his return from injury? Yeah, it, was, wasn't, it wasn't very Russell Wilson-like, was it? It was, like I said um, a bit earlier, it was the first time he's ever been shut out in his career. And uh, he obviously threw those two picks, only had 161 yards, went 20 from 40, which is just very un-Wilson-like. And mm. it was just a really humbling defeat for, for the Seahawks. They they just didn't throw a punch at Green Bay at all. And the, the, the Cardinals, likewise, weren't much better. I mean, after what they did without Kyler Murray the week before against San Francisco and then to, to really come out and, yeah, stink it up against Carolina, who had been struggling in... in in respect to to them, look, mm. it's a really tough game to pick and call with just with the obviously the status of if, if Kyler Murray can play. If he plays, I think it's a lean to Arizona for the obvious reason. But um, yeah, they they're gonna miss Chase Edmonds as as we touched on last week. They they were neutralized for a season low sixty five yards last week against uh, Carolina on the ground. Even though they have got that bell cow as, as or the leading touchdown scorer in the in the league uh, is James Connor. Mm. But yeah, he just wasn't able to get anything going, uh, you know, between the between the red zones. So look, it, it's an interesting one. I have to lean Carolina again if up uh, Carolina, Arizona if I was picking a team here. But yeah, it's a it's a definite stay out uh, with some, some uncertainty around both teams. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I think um, James Connor's been a bit of a revelation. I, I think that he's almost better for that. Uh, Arizona offense than Chase Edmonds. I really like Chase Edmonds and, and the the impact. It's you know, the perfect kind of... role for him though, and that's what he's kind of been into. You know, he's been that yeah. red zone, red zone really only running back. He hasn't really needed to carry the ball much. But uh, I, I like him in that role. I, I liked him at, at yeah. Pittsburgh when he was kind yeah. of that three down back and and the you know that red zone ball hawk kind of kind of guy. But um, it, it always flummoxed me why Pittsburgh weren't using him in that role kind of towards the end of his his time in Pittsburgh but um, he's kind of showing what he can do now as, as the lead back and interesting to see what happens I mean Chase Evans been uh, placed on, on IR now so he's he's off for at least another two weeks I think it is so last week was the first on on IR that means he's got another two at least 
Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he comes back and, and whether James Conner can keep that keep that form. But I, I've, I've liked the way that he's kind of moved the chains. Obviously, last week was was a bit of an anomaly, um, but we know that that Carolina run defense is, is one of the best in the business uh, this season. So there's probably not not a whole lot that, that he could have done differently. But um, in terms of the, the two offenses, I mean, we kind of expect points out of these out of these two teams, and and last week, I, it's interesting to see if if last week's performances will shake a bit of that faith with with punters. Um, th- there was a, a play that I found uh, just before we started recording, which is both teams to score over nineteen points um, at a dollar ninety, and and I think ordinarily that that's a pretty good play with with both of these teams, but. It's going to be interesting to see where the, where the money comes for from that sort of perspective because both of these offenses were disgusting last week. So, how how do you feel about that play? Look, it's an interesting one. I think um, yeah, like you said, on on their day they were both shit that in. But nineteen points seems like a bit of a stretch for Seattle at the moment. The way they played last week and that Arizona defense is still pretty good. So, um, yeah, at a dollar ninety, I couldn't be jumping into that. I'd, I'd probably want uh, another you know, half of that on top. So look, it's, um, yeah, interesting one. I, I really don't know how to play this and that's, that's the reason why I'm sitting out. So uh, I think Arizona will win, but yeah, no confidence at all. So I'll, I'll sit out. Can't argue with that. Uh, next up game of the week, Dallas at Kansas city, the chiefs minus two and a half. The total is 56. How do you see this one? Yeah, I think you've nailed it on the head there. Game of the week for sure. What a what a contest this is. NFC versus AFC. Two dynamic offenses, especially after what we saw Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs bring last week. Uh, and all of a sudden they're they're back in lead, in back in the lead of the AFC West, um, a position they know very well after winning the last six AFC West crowns. So look, it's it's a it's a huge game, plenty on the line. A little bit less for Dallas because of their comfort uh, in front of their division, but. Yeah, it's a huge game for the Chiefs. They need to just keep winning. It's an interesting one. They were six and four at this um, same mark in 2019 when they won the Super Bowl. And then they uh, went on to almost, I think they ran the table or they uh, maybe dropped one more in the regular season. But look, it was, it's a little bit eerily similar where their defense again started off slow and then turned the corner. And that's exactly what they've done the last few weeks. They, the last five games, they've only allowed 78 points compared to that uh, over double in the first five of 163. So it's an acid test this week facing the league's top-ranked scoring offense. So that's that's the one I'm looking for. And can can Kansas City slow down that Dallas Cowboys offense? We know the Chiefs are going to do what they do on offense. Uh, um, you know, it's going to be a bit more of a test against that Dallas defense. However, yeah, it's just, it's just how the Chiefs can back up and, and see if they can continue that momentum. They... Denver Cowboys put up 29 points in a quarter against the Falcons last week. So they're pretty dynamic, as we know. Um, that was a franchise record for the boys. But yeah, at this at that line, I, I leaned Dallas plus two and a half and it's just gone off the spreadsheet there as well. I did put Dallas in plus two and a half, but I'm not 100% sold on it now uh, because I do want the Chiefs to win. So I'm playing a bit more with my heart. There. Probably my head says Cowboys, but um with some futures going on with the with the Chiefs in some multis for the division win, um, I certainly want Kansas City to win. So, <laughs> I think it might be a stay out and just and just sit and watch and hope Patty Mahomes puts on another show and and Dak can keep pace for my fantasy team as well. That'd be nice too. Well, that's right. I mean, if the Chiefs are any chance of of winning uh, the division, they've probably got to win this game. 
um, you know, they need to keep pace with with the front runners in, in the division. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I want the Chiefs to win too for, for different reasons, but I've been burned by Kansas City too many times. I've been burned by the Dallas Cowboys too many times. I'm just going to watch this and hopefully enjoy some really good offensive football and hope that the Chiefs come out on top. I think that there is some some room with with both of these offenses um, that you know potentially some some defensive plays come to the fore and and could be the the difference maker. Um, one of the plays that I, I found before was it for a defensive or special teams touchdown scored at three dollars twenty five, and I think that's across both teams. I, I think we know what um, you know Trayvon Diggs and and the Dallas defense can do. Like you said, o- over the last kind of month or so. Um, the Chiefs defense has started to rise up in terms of those um, you know, defensive impact plays and, and defensive rankings. So it's going to be really in- intriguing to see if they can keep that up against this Dallas offense. Uh, that said, I'm not expecting a, a huge defensive showdown in this one. I think that there are points and I think it should be great to watch, but uh, both of these teams have killed me numerous times before. So I'm going to, sit and watch hopefully and, and maybe just have a play on that defensive or special teams touchdown. Yeah. One play potentially. Yeah, it's going to be a great um, game to watch, like you said. So just a bit of a sit back and enjoy and, and let, let's just hope that we can um, get the result we want. But yeah, it's going to be an intriguing game just for so many talking points to come out of that one, I reckon. Melvin Ingram. How are you feeling about Melvin Ingram in Kansas City? Uh, he's fitted in okay, hasn't he? I mean, like he's coming to come into the defense at the right time. They, like I said, they've probably started slowly working things out. And uh, look, they look a better defense probably with him in it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So look, I, I think that he continues to grow. Obviously, uh, he's not to play he probably once was, but he yep. he's certainly going to keep making an impact for that for that Chiefs defense. And it's not just the little things that he does. It, 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 it certainly builds other players around him, doesn't it? So Look, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting watch to see what happens, especially in this one, to see how the how far that Chiefs defense has come because this is the this is the biggest test in football against the the number one ranked offense for sure. Yeah, agreed. I think that he he just kind of just kind of straightens them up, and I don't know if it's just you know his size and power or if it's his experience and kind of understanding of of the game, but they just look they just look stronger with him in the lineup and. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's just yeah, perception and, and knowing how good a player he once was, but um, they they certainly look straighter. They certainly look more powerful and, and stronger with him uh, in the, the Chiefs defense. So, you know, fingers crossed for, for the Chiefs fans that, you know, that can, that can keep developing. And, you know, I think that was, you know, we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. If the Chiefs can, you know, improve that defense to, you know, that defensive line, especially to, to kind of league average, um, then you know, they're going to be a force to, to, rec- to be reckoned with for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's all they need to be, just average and let their weapons do the work. Exactly, exactly. Um, Sunday night football, Pittsburgh at Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers minus five and a half. The total is 46 and a half. What have you got? Yeah, super interesting game. Obviously, both teams playing in very, very competitive divisions and uh, which makes it both a must-win game for both teams, really. Um, the slumping Los Angeles Chargers, especially, they've lost three of the last four. And after, you know, controlling the AFC West, they're now in a, in a log jam for second place there. The Steelers are in an equally competitive division in the AFC North and now sit half a game behind the Ravens. And that half a game 
It's because they tied. They tied to the mm. Detroit Lions. Can you believe it? What a disaster. <laughs> and look, in hindsight, I probably should have played the Lions last week, but I know without that Ben news came to hand just after we got off our podcast last week. So it would have been a no play for you anyway, although I would have liked the uh, the tick on the head-to-head column there, mate. But look, I, I think it's a it's a stay out because I really don't know understand what's going to happen. There's COVID impacting this one as well. Joey Bose is not playing for, for the uh, Chargers. Uh, and most likely Michael Fitzpatrick's not playing for the Steelers. Uh, Big Ben's probably not going to suit up again. So, look, Mason Rudolph to go against Justin Herbert. I don't know whose camp I'd want to be in. Uh, and it's not Mason's, unfortunately, for you, mate. Um, but, look, I it's a really tough one. The, the Steelers' defense is obviously chalk and cheese compared to that Chargers' defense. So that's, that's yeah, where yeah. You, the trade-off is, isn't it? So um, stay out from me. But yeah, it's gonna be an interesting game. A Dow one, I think it's a it it's it screams low points. But I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, I feel like I think you're on the right page with that unders. I think, mate. But it's a it's a stay out from me. Can Can you imagine if the Steelers had Justin Herbert as their quarterback? Like what what that franchise could achieve with you know an above average quarterback? Correct. Yeah. Like it's it's bizarre. I mean, and ben, Big Ben is done. Like. He's, he, he ain't it anymore. Um, he's barely league average, let alone, you know, a, a, a tier one quarterback or an elite quarterback. He's he's not even a good quarterback anymore. He's no, barely average. He's been terrible this year, and let alone, and they're still sitting six, three, and one. And, and that's the thing. That shows how good that offense, how that defense is, isn't it? Like, well, exactly. That was my big knock against them at the start of the season uh, and why I left them out of the my playoff predictions was just I just had no faith in Big Ben to mm. to get through another season. Um, and his body is just not held up to the rigors of NFL football now. He's got COVID. Mm. Look, uh, who knows? I think it's certainly we won't see him again next year. Has he got enough magic left to to lead him on one last run? I don't know about that, but that defense is certainly trying their hardest for him, aren't they? Mm. Well, if at, at this point, if you had to pick one for you know, the rest of the season to start, are you picking Ben Roethlisberger or his backup who's playing this week and clearly is not, hey? What about Dwayne Haskins? Oh, mate. Nah, yeah, look, not... I'd still have to stick with Ben <laughs> over Mason Rudolph, which which oh, probably just... might say more about Mason Rudolph. I don't know. I think it might. I think it might. I, and it's hard, to, it's hard to argue with you, but I, I wonder how much of that is purely based on memory and, and kind of, yeah, that automatic. Of, well, of course, it's Ben Roethlisberger. Like, yeah. there's no argument. Whereas the reality is, Ben wow. Roethlisberger is not an NFL standard quarterback anymore, and Mason Rudolph is not an NFL standard quarterback either. He's shown that over a number of years. So it's it's a really intriguing one. But um, another another under for me. I'm starting to get a little bit worried here. Like I said, I don't often play the the points totals in 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 these kind of plays, but. Uh, last week's tie, the Steelers are unbeaten in five games, largely off the back of TJ Watt and the, and the Steelers' defense. And the Chargers are coming off a month of mediocre football offensively. And this is kind of the perfect offense for the Chargers' D to get back on track as well, even even missing some of those guys that, that you mentioned earlier. Um, we know the Steelers' D is on fire. I think Minka Fitzpatrick is a big out for Pittsburgh. Um, we know how dynamic he is. Um but I still think that their their defense is one of the better you know better units in in football, and I feel like this total at forty seven uh, or forty six and a half I think it might it might have come in a little bit. Um, I think 
you know, it's probably still a couple of points too high. Um, and I, I think that it'll be, it'll, it'll go under in this one. Um, like you said, it kind of screams, screams a low total, but uh, again, it could be one of those trap games. If, you know, if Justin Herbert gets off, off the chain and, um, you know, missing Minka Fitzpatrick, we know the, the impact that Fitzpatrick had when he, you know, when he was traded to, to Pittsburgh, almost the immediate impact that he had on that defensive unit. So, you know, with him out, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to that that defense. But um, I think that they can keep it under control. And, and you know, the Chargers offense hasn't been setting the world on fire over the last month or so. So um, I kind of feel like the unders again here. Um, unless you've got any further thoughts on this one, we'll move on to the next one. Now let's move on to Monday Night Football, mate. Monday Night Football, the Giants. The Giants. The Giants. <laughs> At Tampa Bay, the Buccaneers minus 10 and a half. The total is 49 and a half. And some interesting, some interesting storylines in this one. I think if, if Saquon Barkley is back this week, which it sounds like he might be, then it makes this play very interesting. Um, it seems like the Bucs are going to be missing Vita Vea. Um, there was some good news during the week that that knee injury isn't as bad as they first thought that it was going to be. He's not going to land on IR. He'll probably only miss a week, maybe two, but it does seem like he will miss this one. Um, and Washington showed how to beat the Bucks last week and it is with those short, punchy yardage runs on the ground that we saw from Antonio Gibson uh, last week. And, and obviously missing Vita Vea is, is a big a big part of you know, how New York can uh, take advantage of that potential element uh, on the ground. And, and Saquon, if he's fit is a better version of Antonio Gibson and that role will suit him down to the ground as long as he can suit up. And as long as he can play kind of 50% or more of, of the snaps in this one, having said that there's never any guarantee with Saquon Barkley and his fitness. So I'm going to sit this one out as much as I want to play the giants here at that plus line. I just can't do it just yet. But if that does come out another point or two, then I might be tempted. How about you? Yeah. 10 and a half uh, leaped out to me as well, but I end up settling on, I know, and I said throughout the episode, I'm banning myself from the, the points here. I'll have to play the overs on that. Degenerate, on that. degenerate, yeah. you sicko. Look, yeah, Vita Bay is a, is a big loss, as you said, and and thankfully for for the Bucks, he's only going to be missing for a week or two, maybe max with a sprained knee, MCL, rather than that, that ACL that was first feared for them. And look, they'll, they'll get a couple of weapons back themselves, even if Saquon Barkley suits up for the Giants. Uh, the Bucks can hopefully bring back Antonio Brown this week uh, and Big Gronk as well, who might line up after missing quite a number of matches now. Look, the Bucks they got to 6-1. and one. They're, they're the best ever start in the franchise history. And I think everyone was just ready to give Tom Brady his eighth ring. And all of a sudden, they've they've dropped two in a row either side of their bye. Look, they, they were pretty ordinary against Washington. And that defense is, is the concern. And... They didn't get much going on offense either, but like I said, they have been a little bit shorthanded on both sides of the football. They can get a number of players back this week. They are back home. There's a, there's a there's a big chance on prime time just to get Tom Brady going again. And look, I, I think they'll win, uh, and I think there'll be plenty of points in this one. I think the Giants are good enough to potentially keep it close, but um, yeah, I, I'm happy to play the over 49 and a half here. It seems like a lowish line. I thought it'd be somewhere in the 50s. So, yeah, I'll have people play that. And, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting game because if the if the Bucks drop this one as well, game on in the NFC, in the mm. NFC South especially. So, 
Uh, it's a must win almost for for the Bucks just to get back on track and and uh, and the Giants, of course. Uh, even with a win, I don't think they'll be playing in the playoffs this year. So yeah, int- well they could make a late push if if they can get their run on. But um, yeah, I, I think that there's points in this one regardless. So I'll, I'll play the over at forty nine and a half as I said. Don't mind it. I don't mind that reasoning. It makes a lot of sense. Um, that's it for the week 11 matchups and as we move into lock of the week i think this is the first time all season that we literally have only one play that we're on the same page on uh and that is tennessee minus 10 that is a big line for a lock of the week and (laughs) we are four and six we've had a couple of a couple of shockers over the last fortnight so we, we need a win how are you feeling about the Titans minus 10 as the lock? No, I'm very confident the Titans will win and, and win big. There's usually that one blowout of the week and it, it screams like it could be this one. It's, I didn't realize, yeah, it's really surprising. I've just gone back through to have a look myself. Only one um, play that we're actually both on. Uh, and, you know, the last few weeks we've, we've been, you know, pumping each other up saying, yes, yeah, I like that too. So maybe it's maybe it's what we need, mate. Maybe it's what we need to That's get back it. to that. That's it. The last couple of weeks, the last two weeks, which have been our worst since yeah, week two, um, we, we've been on the same page a lot of the time. So maybe the fact that we're not in agreement in a lot of these plays is, is a good sign. But we're also not head to head, which means that oh, we exactly. could both we potentially plays, we could both potentially have a good week without even agreeing with each other. So <laughs> fingers crossed that is the case. But hopefully that also means that that uh, we're on the same page for this Titans. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think that you know it is kind of. I, I think in that one, you know, the data speaks for itself. I think that, you know, everything kind of points to a big Titans win and, and anything less than that would be very much a surprise. So fingers crossed it's uh, it plays out and game script goes to plan. Um, do you want to go through your best bets, long shots and uh, player prop? Yep. So for the listeners out there, these are the ones to avoid uh, as I've over the last fortnight have been disastrous. So these are the ones to look out for. Minus six and a half New England tomorrow. So you know what to do. You play the Falcons. Tennessee minus 10. That'll get up. So get definitely play Tennessee minus 10. That's the lock of the week. And Green Bay Packers minus two and a half. They're my best three this week. A um, couple of long shots, as I mentioned off the top. There was a little same game multi I wanted to be a part of uh, for tomorrow. And it's not some of the, rush, uh, the receiving yards that I was talking about earlier. But uh, this is the one I liked. Uh, some value. Minus six and a half for New England into Cordero Patterson, anytime touch scorer, touchdown scorer for the Falcons, into Ramonde Stevenson, anytime touchdown scorer for the Patriots, and that gets you a juicy 12 bitty before boosting or doing anything like that. It'll be interesting to see if Patterson plays this week. I know he, he was a little bit banged up coming out of last week's game, and, and there were some pretty cagey comments from, uh, from the Falcons coaching staff uh, earlier in the week. So interesting to see if he plays, but okay, I think yeah. interesting, interestingly, you can probably get some even better odds on, yeah, on his other backup on uh, Wayne Goldman. I think he's the, the backup in Atlanta and, and he's proved himself pretty capable at the level over the journey. So could get some decent odds on that too. Yeah. I don't mind that. Could have a little play around with that. I might have a look at, we'll have a look at that, revisit that tomorrow morning and, and see if we can adjust it if it, if um, Cordero Patterson is a scratch. So um, there's a few receiving. Really like, by, by the way, I really like Cordero Patterson. He's one of my kind of surprise packets of the year, as, as I think he's great, most hasn't people. He? He's but, been, he's been. Um, 
I was, yeah. I was lucky enough to pick him up off the waiver wire in fantasy in both my leagues after about oh, week two. So um, he, he's been a start and, and the the times that he's had quiet weeks has kind of killed me. So um, yeah, one of them last, hopefully he plays. last week, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, I think he only played, I think it was something like 30% of the snaps once he once he kind of got that. I think it was yeah. a high ankle sprain or, or, or an ankle. Well, that won't that. bode well for him suiting up this week. So if you can get Wayne Goldman now, um, for anyone listening uh, tonight, Thursday night or super early Friday morning, might be some value on Wayne Goldman there. But well, they, they like wouldn't, I said, there's they, a few. Go on. They, they, they're just not giving much away. I know they, they were asked a few times earlier in the week about Patterson's status. And, um, you know, they're asked specifically, is he banged up? And the answer was, well, everyone's banged up. So, you know, who knows whether he plays yet or not. It might be one for those, you know, that hour before, before kickoff to, to check in. Yeah, you could easily replace him with a Hunter Henry or something like that for True. the Patriots. But uh, yeah, as we've talked about off the top, there's a few few lines that we like there with Hunter Henry, Nelson Aguilar, and my player prop this week as well, Kendrick Bourne, over 35 and a half uh, receiving yards. I think he'll knock that off pretty quickly. So you can throw that into a same goal, game multi as well. And one, sorry, I did miss was my other, my second long shot of the week which is um, the Titans again here. And that's Titans minus eight and a half in that adjusted line into over 45 and a half. And that's 340. And I think that's a pretty nice play as well, especially if we're expecting Tennessee to score over 40. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. I, I do like that. And I think, you know, my, my plays are kind of similar game scripts, although slightly different plays, but mm. you know, I think kind of expecting similar, similar things to happen. My best bets, uh, New England at Atlanta over 47, Miami at the Jets under 44 and a half and Tennessee minus 10. Uh, a couple of long shots. I've got New England uh, minus four and a half. So I've got the extra, extra couple of points uh, on that one into over 46 and a half at $3.10 and Dallas, Kansas City defensive or special teams touchdown scored. Yes, at $3.25 and that player prop uh, that I touched on earlier in the New England game, Mac Jones, 253 plus pass yards at $1.90. Um, any further thoughts on week 11 from you, mate? No, let's get the ball rolling with a big New England victory uh, tomorrow. That'd be very nice to start off the week after the disaster we had last Thursday night football with Baltimore absolutely shitting the bed and, and ruining everything. Although we did get two player props ups in that, player props up in that game. So it wasn't a total write-off, but... No, uh, for, the, got Friday, the Friday game for us has been okay, I think. Yeah. Just we, off, we, off the top of my head. I think the Friday game has been all right for us over the course of the, the year. But um, yeah, hopefully a, uh, a, uh, a 40 to 8 Patriots win would be would be pretty handy for That'd us. Be lovely. Just a nice <laughs> cruisy result for us. That'd be nice. Um, that brings us to the end of the show. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Punt Return Pod. We're on Facebook, Punt Return Podcast. Instagram at NFL podcast. Thanks for tuning in as always jump on Twitter and give us a yell. I'm at Nick splitter. Lepper is at Ryan Lepore. I actually won't be back next week. So Lepper, we might have a special guest with you on the show next week as, yeah, we uh, won't, as I take we won't a, bit of a break. Yeah. We won't reveal who that's going to be yet, but it's a very, very special guest close to the listeners hearts. I imagine. Uh, well, we're hoping anyway. It's it's more with our fingers crossed at the moment. But yes, we, we won't reveal because we're it. not sure who it's going to be yet. So. <laughs> it's not really a tease because we actually have no freaking clue. But uh, yeah, Nick's going to be away next week. He's taking the bride and the, his lovely, beautiful daughter away. So good luck to him. And uh, thank you, mate. 
yeah so we don't we won't know what to do without you mate but we'll 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 trudge on tr- um trudge on and um you could even send some plays through if you like and we can we can tweet them out or I'll, I'll have my phone with me i'm sure i'll be uh i'm sure i'll be awake at at 5 a.m on on monday morning anyway so yeah, we'll uh we'll see how we go and, and yeah we'll, we'll see uh we'll see what pops up but looking forward to listening to you and guest next week <laughs> but uh jump on twitter and facebook and instagram and give us a shout out or uh or slam us when we get it wrong, which is most of the time in recent times. Yeah, so, my inbox should have been flooded this week, to be honest. So. <laughs> we we have copped it. We have copped it a little bit um, over the course of the season, but we did have a good six week period in uh, in between weeks of copying it. So that was that was fun for a little while while it lasted. But hopefully, we can get back to winning ways this week. Um, but yeah, as always, we'll be back. I won't be back next week. I'll be back the week after. Uh, Ryan will be back next week, and. Uh, Go Birds!